This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard. Welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone. Rico Beard, Harold Sheldon, he's the Big Ten research guru, manager. He knows it all. Let's just put it like that. I, I can't even give this man a title because he knows everything. And But he didn't know this. He didn't know that you were going to have a Final Four with really nobody that we recognize in it. All the teams just found a way to lose. I thought, Harold, I thought Texas was just going to save the day. I thought they were the best team in the nation. And then they found a way to just stop scoring at the end of the game. They let Miami come back. And you got two teams from Florida, you know, San Diego State. I mean, did you see, did you count, did you remotely see this one coming? No, no, I can't lie and say I did. Um, I thought San Diego State would give Alabama a game. I didn't know that they would just completely take them out of everything that they wanted to do um, and pretty much just ran away from them, um, as San Diego State can do. We know they're not a a high-scoring team, but, I mean, they just suffocated them to the point where they didn't – Alabama didn't want to do anything besides shoot threes, and, you know, San Diego State was just much tougher than them. Um, FAU – Before we get – Brandon Miller, is it safe to say that the pressure finally caught up to him? I mean, if you look at it, it certainly seems that way. I mean, he didn't shoot well for the entire tournament. Um, You know, he was scoreless in the first round, and nobody really thought it was a big deal because he was decent against Maryland. Right. They won the first two games by 20, so you're like, all right, well, at a certain point, Brandon Miller's going to play well, and then, you know, their game's going to get elevated. Never happened. And it, you know, we, the stuff that we saw all year from him, he basically just turned into a jump shooter. He, well, he wasn't the guy that we saw most of the year in San Diego State. Said that's fine with us. Like you're not driving in on us. You're not getting all these easy layups and dunks right. and everything. Because yeah, I, I'm like, okay, when the news first came out, he carried the team. The team didn't do well, but the tournament, it was like Alabama's nothing without him and. Yeah, I I, I kind of figured it would happen. I thought it was going to happen in the next round for Bama. I didn't think it was going to happen in in the the Sweet Sixteen round. And then you know, you look back to you know Kansas State, the Michigan State game. Wow, uh, it was a classic to some. To some, it wasn't. When you look at what happened on the court. Um, I don't know if I've seen a better performance from a point guard in a long time in an NCAA tournament game. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think Michigan State made it a lot easier for him 
Um, the fact that there were so many assists where it was just one pass, guy wouldn't even have to dribble. You just go up and get a layup, go get a dunk because Michigan State continuously got lost on defense, continued to ball watch for way too long. Uh, thought they overhelped way too much. Um, I would have preferred to see Jay Nakins on Noel. I thought his athleticism and his height and his length uh, could have bothered him a little earlier. Um, I get, you know, trying to put Tyson on him because Izzo thinks Tyson's the best perimeter defender on the team and all of that, but it clearly wasn't working. Um, no. And so I was a little surprised that it took as long as it did for them to put Aikens on him. And it seems like those assists cut down, got cut down a little. Uh, but in the end, too many guys were ball watching, you know, it, whether it was Hogar losing his man, whether it was Sissoko losing his man, it, it just happened way too often. Yeah, I mean, and then I think I think he caught everybody ball watching from that half-court alley-oop where it looks like he's yelling with the coach, him and Tang going back and forth, and then, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, there's Keontae, boom, alley-oop. At that point, you're just shaking your head. Now, I did think State had an opportunity. Tyson Walker hits three overtime. Okay, but, man, this the game for MSU was probably the worst – Probably the worst 45 seconds of uh, Malik Hall's career. I mean, I felt bad missing the and one, uh, not grabbing the rebound when it was just bouncing. I'm sitting there, just just grab it. Don't leave it in the ref's hands. And then end of the game, he was one of the three people who just didn't want to shoot that final shot. And then to boot, he just knocks Tyson Walker down. And that's ball game. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that was definitely frustrating. And he also missed the – he split from the line with a chance to tie it late yeah. in the time. Uh, yeah. So if you include that too, it wasn't his finest moment for sure. Um, it was just frustrating because it was certainly a game that, that was very winnable and it looked like they had you know several opportunities to do so, but for whatever reason just couldn't get the key stop when they needed to. And for two months, this is kind of what they've been. They've been – really good offensively and wouldn't play defense or they were really lock in defensively and couldn't score. There was rarely a time where they were able to marry the two things together where you could have a good offense and a good defense. We really didn't see it, you know, uh, maybe early January. It's probably the last time that we did. And it was kind of fitting that that was the way that they went out by shooting a lot of threes and making them and, you know, giving up a bunch and, you know, you're giving up, was it 98 points? I think it was 80 something in regulation and yeah that was kind of fitting for how these last two or three years have been with uh the ncaa tournament if you look back at the duke loss you know they gave up you know 58 shooting if you go back to the ucla loss in the playing game aaron henry misses the box out they go to overtime it's the little yeah. things that you're used to seeing michigan state do that they haven't done these last three years and they've definitely left some opportunities on the table it's funny you say that because it, it really boils down to Izzo, you know, at the uh, after they beat Marquette, I'd asked them, you know, it's possible you may be the only team because Indiana hadn't played yet that advances to the second weekend. And he's a proponent saying, you know, he's pro Big Ten. Uh, well, the stats ain't showing that the Big Ten is one of the best conferences. You could say that all you want. Harold, I guess the biggest thing, what does the Big Ten have to do to get back to 
being the best conference and, and actually winning this thing. I mean, I, the irony is I'm wondering, will the Big Ten win a national title before Cleve's, Mateen Cleve's son is in college? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, again, I, I know we talked about it in the past, and I still think it relies on having elite guards. Um, if you look at a lot of these teams that are still left, I mean, Jordan Hawkins for UConn is elite guard. You got, you know, Johnny Davis for uh, FAU is a really good guard. You know, Tremel, Bradley, those guys are good guards, good wings for for San Diego State. And Miami, obviously, they got a ton of good guards. With You got Wong. Wong, Nigel yeah. Pack, who Purdue certainly could have used. I know there was rumors of him uh, visiting there for the portal, but obviously the NIL that Miami won out, and obviously a good decision for Miami. <laughs> it looks like all of that stuff worked out for the men's and women's side on that. But you know, I think getting involved with NIL is certainly going to be a thing that uh, Big Ten teams need to, you know, push for and you know adapt. Um, we see it work for a lot of schools. That's one reason What's Michael Shrewsbury left. Because yeah. they weren't serious about the NIL. And well, it's funny you talk about the NIL because in a copycat league, does everybody follow Miami? Because it kind of seems like Miami not only bought a men's team, they bought a women's team. And, yeah, the players, they offered the money and the players showed up and came. Yeah, exactly. And you see it in football, too. Like, they had, what, a top three, top five class, and NIL was ready to go. And you See, here's the thing, though. In football – you, you know, you saw Miami, you saw Texas A&M offer all that money, but the, the teams didn't do well in hoops. You know, you seeing teams winning, like maybe it doesn't work in football to just throw cash at folks, but in hoops, if you could get two or three players to join your team, maybe that is the way to go. Maybe that's how you keep them from going to the G League. And yeah, any because if anything, this Final Four has shown if you're willing to pay the money, anybody can get to the final four now. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're you're right in terms of the football part. You need so many good players to be really good in football or in basketball. If you get two or three, you know, that's basically 25% of your roster as opposed to, you know, whatever it is in football. And so I think if you can get a transfer or two, whether that's with NIL or, or whatever the case is, I think you position yourself well. I know going into the Elite Eight, seven of the eight teams that were available or still alive, they had a top three scorer on our team from the portal. So that's the way it goes now. Like you have to be able to have a guy you know, or two that you can blend in. If you happen to miss in recruiting somewhere, that's the way where you can go ahead and plug that hole, use this guy for a year or two and then move on. I don't know if you can necessarily live in the portal, but I certainly think you can supplement. And we saw Izzo do it with Tyson Walker. But for whatever reason, he sat on these scholarships. And, you know, now you have to play Malik Hall through injury for 30-some minutes. And Pierre Brooks doesn't work out. And so you don't really have a lot to, to lean on because you didn't have the depth that was there. And so I think for a lot of these Big Ten schools, they have to figure out ways to get really good guards. Even if they're from a mid-major level, you can see that they can still play. You got nothing but mid-majors, you know, two mid-majors in this final four. So yeah. you got to find a way to, to find some players to help your team. Yeah, I guess because what I think uh, for last from like 1,200 players in the portal, and I'm like, I didn't know it was that many spots out there. Now, yeah, you got 
uh, Caleb Love, Carolina. He's going to have his pick of the litter, but I've, I've never understood guys who just jump into the portal thinking, you know, Duke's going to call me and I'm just going to go running there. My strategy has always been I'm not jumping in the portal unless I know where I'm landing. I'm only going to be in the portal for about a day and a half, like a, you know, just a, a weekend resort type of thing. And then, hey, up, I've already worked this out through back channels. But when I look at it now, it's it's almost. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I guess there's two types of strategies for the portal for me. It's mercenary portal where you could hire me because I forgot the guy from Kansas State who was shooting the logo threes against Michigan State. He's back in the portal. So he's gone. So that wasn't good enough for him. He wants to go to a bigger school. And then you also, to me, if I were to use the portal, I would go the other route where I would look at the smaller mid-majors and try to get the best players from those schools, kind of like State did with Tyson Walker. And why don't you come here and give you a bigger stage, bigger platform, and and see what you could do. But I I guess I've never been into the whole, you know what, I'm for hire each year, and I think the NCAA is going to crack down on it, saying that you get one transfer, and after the second, first one, you're going to have to explain why you're doing this. And it's not just because, well, they're offering me more money because that, you know, let's face it, NIL is a part of this thing. But I don't know. They, they, it seems like they need to get a little bit tighter reign because, or you know what, you just need to educate players because I've just, I've just never understood why in the world would you jump in the portal knowing. I, I just, I mean, I, I call them the, uh, the basketball homeless because they, don't have any place to go once they're in there. The team doesn't want them back and nobody else wants you. So your career just kind of ends in limbo. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's interesting when you have guys that have gone to like two schools in two years or three schools in three years, it's kind of like, well, what did you expect after you left the first time and went to the right. next school? Like, were you promised something and didn't work? And so then you said, okay, I got to go somewhere else. You know, at what point does the grass not become greener in your mind? You know, I think there's certain cases where it's like, you know what, I'm really not playing here. I want to go somewhere else. And, you know, I think a Pierre Brooks situation where he doesn't play any minutes in a tournament, handwriting's on the wall. I'm not going to play. I want to go. Right. Sure. Okay. But like a guy like Jay Neps for Illinois, like he was a starting point guard for Illinois. And now you're in the portal. So it's kind of like, well, if you were a starting point guard on a Big Ten team that made the tournament, like right. what's next for you? Like what are you expecting, you know, that's going to be better than the situation that you have right now? I, I don't know if they have, you know, well, guys in their ear that are saying, hey, man, you're better than this. You can go here and, you know, the coach isn't using you right and you need to, you know, go somewhere well, where they appreciate Here's the funny thing about that. The funny – and it made sense at the time. But in hindsight, Pete Nance right. leaves Northwestern. I would go to North Carolina. One of these teams made the tournament. Yep. And it wasn't North Carolina. It had to hurt him. 
Had looking to. at the team that he played with as he's sitting there with a bunch of guys like, y'all were number one in the nation. This was a slam dunk. Why am I sitting at home when I could have stayed in Evanston and still been playing right now? Or the only one I guess I can kind of understand is Andre Cobella, who left Illinois, goes to St. John's, and then Rick Pitino gets hired and basically told all of them, you all are going to be great basketball players, just not here for St. John's. So there's the door. You can get out. He's back in the portal. I think he thought he found a spot in St. John's, even though St. John's wasn't that great. But, yeah, you're right. When you got guys who are good and then all of a sudden, like, what you were starting, you're not going to the league. Like, what else were you planning to go with? It it just makes me think that at that point it's got to be about the money. Yeah, I would think so. And I think the fact that there's no guardrails for – for any of this, you know, it's kind of the wild, wild west in terms of guys can just go in a portal. Money can be exchanged. You know, you got these collectives that say, hey, you can come here for this. Or, you know, you see guys driving this kind of car, that kind of car. I mean, it went from nothing to car blanche. And I think people are just trying to figure out, you know, what works best for them because there's really no regulation on it. Um, and, I, you know, I think that that's been a big issue. I was reading an article couple of days ago where I guess Izzo was talking about, you know, the extra interviews he had with people and making sure he's trying to keep the guys that he has on the roster. But, you know, he's heard about other schools like Minnesota where guys are in the handshake line and, you know, uh, an opposing player or coach might like bump into a Minnesota player. It's kind of like, hey, we're interested in you. Let's talk, you know, like there's certain there's so many ways now, I guess, to try to get someone's attention like, hey, we want to talk. If you want to leave, you know, I'm going to give you a signal. All right, cool. Let's talk. You know, the fact that there's just no regulation and anything goes at this point. And so I feel like you have to try really hard just to keep the players you have because, you know, tampering's going on. Guys are trying to poach you during the tournament or during the regular season or whatever it is. And so, I mean, it's it's going to be crazy to, to see how it goes. And, you know, hopefully, you know, most of these Big Ten schools can keep their players. Uh, but, you know, they certainly need to add some, too. They can't just rest on their laurels. No. And then you look at the Final Four, and here's the, uh, the reality is the women's Final Four has eclipsed the men. Um, I'm more interested in the game Friday night. Uh, than any of the games being played in the men's. Um, South Carolina, Iowa. Yeah, that's going to be really good if you want to see basketball. I just, when I look at this, you, you think to yourself, and, and I guess if you would have told me this at the beginning of the year, I would have said I was dreaming. And it was probably a basketball nightmare. But either Florida Atlantic or San Diego State is going to be in a national title game. Yep. Yep. And I think as a as a Big Ten guy and a Michigan State guy, that's what made it more frustrating that they didn't beat Kansas State because the path was there. You got to be sitting there thinking. And I'm I'm actually I'm going to have Izzo on later. I mean, even he has to think this is my chance. I mean, even though I think if Michigan State were in right now, they would be the highest seed. They would be a seven and everybody else would be lower than them, they would be the perennial favorites to win it all. Like it would have been probably UConn and then them, most likely. Yeah. And I think I think most people would have said, 
it'd be Michigan State, UConn in the game. And I guess when I, if I'm UConn, I'd, I'd be worried because in this tournament, you don't want to be the favorite. You don't want to be that team because that team doesn't make it. I mean, the Sweet 16 was like the angel of death just went tapping on people's shoulders saying, uh, yeah, Duke, Kentucky, yep, you come with me. MSU, yeah, you can come in this point. Yep, everybody. Alabama, yeah, you yep. was number one all year. Houston, come on. Yep. Oh, yeah, Houston. UCLA, yeah, you too. Yep. Come on. Yep. Yep. Not gonna make it, guys. We're gonna we're gonna move on without you. So so you look at these final four come Monday night. Who are we looking at? I'd be really surprised if it's not UConn. And I and I know this tournament has been crazy and expect the unexpected and all of that, but I do feel like they were probably underseeded when the tournament started to begin with. Um, I know one of the barometers that uh, like Ken Palm uses is top 25 offensive and defensive efficiency. I think 21 of the last 22 champs were ranked that way in both entering the tournament. Um, and UConn was one of those five teams, even though they were a four seed. So shout out to the committee for underseeding them, but whatever. Um, so I feel like they're clearly the best team left. Now they're probably going to face the best guards that they faced, you know, maybe all year with Miami. Um, that's a team that should have lost to Drake, but for whatever reason, they just won't die. They should have lost to Texas, just won't die. And so, you know, when you got guys like like Wong and Pack and Miller, I mean, who knows? I feel like their guard trio is probably better than UConn's. I just don't know if they can stop the big fellas inside. Is UConn the most underrated blue blood out there in college hoops? Because they win titles. But nobody ever talks about them and – reverence the way they do Duke and Kentucky and Carolina and Kansas. See, I feel like they're the inverse Michigan State in that with Michigan State they win titles. <laughs> well when, when Michigan State seated lower, a lot of times they will eclipse expectations. Mm-hmm. And then you know they'll get to the final four as a five or a seven or whatever. And then they run into a team that's just better than them and usually beats them. UConn, they can miss the tournament. You know, if they're a five or a six or whatever, they're going to lose in the first or second round. But when they're good and they get to the final four, they usually win it. The only time they didn't was when they lost to Michigan State in 2009, um, and which was pretty much a home game for Michigan State. But the other four times that they got to the final four, they won the whole thing. So it's one of those where, you know, they're very inconsistent in terms of getting into the tournament or making a deep run. But when they make it, they take the whole thing. No, I got you. All right, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll wrap the season up. If you got time, we'll do this again next week, kind of put a bow on everything, see what the future is going to be for the Big Ten and all the teams in uh, college hoops. Harold, appreciate you coming on. For Harold, Sheldon, I'm Rico Beard. Thanks for listening and watching the Five Star Zone.